afternoon. Welcome to the February edition of my New York Workers' Compensation Construction Claims Webinar Series. My name is Tashia Rasul and I'm a partner here with Lewis Law Firm where I handle the defense of uh, workers' compensation claims that arise out of construction accidents. That's all I do and even more, I oversee a team of attorneys and paralegals whose focus is on defending uh, workers' comp claims that arise out of our practice is based in uh, New York. That's all we do is focus, I'd like to say, that we're experts in this area. Um, I've been doing these construction claims for many, many years now. And one of the things I've come to learn is that it's so important to be collaborating with the General Liability Defense Council. Um, the collaboration is important because it ultimately helps to develop strategies and tactics that would reduce exposure to the clients. Um, I've been doing this webinar series for about two years now, and every month I focus on a small uh, component of the entire collaboration process. Um, and uh, I go through some of the basics so we understand a little bit about the uh, construction claims litigation, how that works, and the New York, uh, the, the workers' comp side of it, and how that works. and um, how to collaborate between the two. So this month, I just wanted to uh, give a nice little overview on construction litigation claims, um, how it works. I'll talk a little bit about New York labor laws and the types of accidents that you will frequently see, and also some trends that, that continue in the New York construction claims especially some things we've seen over and over again as the years go by. So let's talk about the law. I'll be very brief. I'm not going to bore you with this, but I think it's important to understand the laws that are, the laws that are at play in these construction claims. And it's always, I think it's always important to um, be familiar with them when you're talking to your attorneys or the clients when they're asking about the mechanism of injury and um, which laws that, you, that are going to be applied and the implications and the potential exposure. So the construction laws, AKA the labor laws, um, section 200, let's start with that. So these are the ones like keep in mind that um, some, some work accidents are caused by defective tools or the use of tools or dangerous conditions. So this is pretty much governed by section 200. And it's where the accident is caused by the manner in which or tools that the contractor uses to perform the work or where the accident is caused by a dangerous condition on the job site. The labor law 200, it must be shown that the contractor had authority to dictate the work that was being performed in order for the contractor to be found liable. And it must also be shown that the contractor either created the dangerous condition or knew about the condition and did not remedy it. So I'm sure as you're talking to your defense counsel, uh, you're gonna hear them saying, well, you know, the condition was on the job site. We're trying to get to the witnesses to see if they knew it was there, uh, when it was created, why, why it was created, did anyone do anything to fix it? Um, and these are all questions that you should be asking your attorneys also uh, in order for you to get an assessment of your potential exposure in the claim. 
Next, we have labor law section 240. This is the big one. This, I feel like, is the majority of claims that we see uh, on the workers' comp side. Falling from a scaffold, falling from a ladder, falling from, um, you know, some kind of a makeshift step stool or buckets piled with others. This one's commonly referred to as the scaffold law. Um, it pertains to where there was some type of elevation involved in the accident. So contractors are required to provide workers with safety devices and measures to protect them from elevation-related accidents and injuries. So one of the one of the things that's usually looked at in these particular accidents is whether the workers, the claimants, had all of the safety devices, the harnesses, the PPE gear, um, and you know all of the safety measures that that are necessary to uh, prevent an accident. And for under Section 240, the only defense is sole proximate cause. Next, we have Labor Law Section 241. This contains specific provisions for construction, demolition, and excavation in job sites and addresses falls and cave-ins and how job sites must be arranged to protect workers. So these are the ones, um, so, so this is the one that governs the claims where the claimant said they fell into a hole on the ground, you know, there was some kind of an opening that wasn't properly covered. Um, that's, that's, that's kind of like the bulk of the claims that at least we see on the workers' comp site that falls under a section 241. So now that we, we have an understanding of the laws that govern these uh, construction claims, at least the most prevalent ones that we see on the workers' comp side, um, and an understanding of the kind of accident that should trigger uh, collaboration um, between workers' comp and general liability defense counsel, let's talk about some of the civil milestones. What happens in the process of um, a general liability uh, litigation? Now, as you may already know, work comp claim goes quickly. It goes fast. It goes zero to C before you can even blink an eye. Um, however, on the uh, general liability side, it can be dragged on. Now, something to keep in mind is the statute of limitations is three years for negligence claims. So the claimant has three years a lot of times your workers' comp claim is already closed out by the time they're starting litigation in the, in, in the civil side. For uh, accidents that were, or the accidents that occur in public entities, um, there, there must be notice to the public entity within nine days. That's, um, that's a very short time frame, and the, the, the claimant must provide notice to the entity that will be filing suit. 50H hearings for public entities. This is essentially a, um, a deposition, even though it's not called a deposition, but it's one where um, you would get to question the, the claimant about the accident, his background, um, you know, things like his uh, personal life, criminal history, and so forth, just to get an idea or to gather as much information as possible about who this person is and the claim that he's bringing or intends to bring against the public entity. Um, then there's the filing of the complaints, then an answer must be filed and a bill of particulars.
bill of particulars usually uh, lays out all of their claims, the specific injuries um, that the, the claimant has uh, endured and uh, what he's claiming as a result of the negligence of the, the entity or the company that he's suing. And these can be amended. So you've seen, I've seen amended complaints, amended answers, amended bill of particulars. Um, if the claimant undergoes a surgery or something like that, they would file an amended bill of particulars just to lay out all of their, um, I guess, grievances. And then there are formal depositions. There are party and non-party uh, depositions. There are medical depositions of doctors. The depositions on the general liability side are very, very different than the ones on the workers' comp side. On the workers' comp side, depositions are usually only of the doctors and they are much shorter. On the general liability side, they're much more detailed. They can last for several hours. And it makes sense because that's where your exposure is from the general liability side. That's where you're paying out millions of dollars for claims that didn't even happen, right? And then there are mediations. Mediations where you go in front of a mediator and the parties present their positions and the mediator helps facilitate a potential resolution, a potential settlement between the parties. There's also IMEs and expert reports. Um, the same way we get IMEs on the workers' comp side, IMEs are obtained on the general liability side. Uh, same thing for expert reports. Expert reports can be um, anything like a, a, a vocational or rehab, rehabilitation report or um, <clears throat> any kind of a report that would analyze the claimant's future earnings and stuff like that that we would use to help uh, calculating potential exposure. I, I focus on these several milestones because they are important in knowing when we should knock on our G GL Defense Council's door and say, hey, we need to talk. You have this deposition coming up. I need to give you an update on my workers' comp claim. Oh, you have a mediation coming up? Well, let me tell you, we just we just got this great finding in our end two days ago. Uh, the lumber fusion was disallowed. These are all things that we should be thinking about. Every time we hear one of these milestones are coming up, we should be talking to our uh, GL defense uh, counterpart so that they have all of the information they need going into each of these um, events so they can properly ask questions, um, analyze the facts, get all of the information they need to, uh, to, to provide defense on their end. Some of the claims we've been seeing. And if you watched my webinar last year, you've heard me talk about some of these. And it's really because these are the most important ones, they're the most prevalent ones, and they're the ones we keep seeing over and over. I guess hence the reason they're called trends, right? So we all know the workers' compensation claim goes by in a flash, and the system is very claimant-friendly, and the claimants are using the workers' comp claims to maximize the value of their general liability claim. They're getting uh, bogus claims established. They're getting body parts um, put into the claim that, that were not even injured and they're undergoing surgeries that are not even necessary or even causally related. However, because the claimant, the doctors, and the 
attorneys are all in cahoots with each other. Uh, you know, they come up with this grand plan. I, I'm convinced they have a checklist of the things that need to be done in order to reach a certain uh, threshold value on the general liability side. But that's just my opinion. So they're definitely working up their workers' comp claims. They're milking it and they're presenting it to a mediator or the jury or the judge and the civil side saying, well, you know, I was injured on a job site. It was a construction accident and I had all of these injuries and I had to undergo all of these surgeries and I can never work again, even though I'm 35 years old. Yes, that's the kind of claims that we see. Um, so let, let's be cautious about this. Uh, and it's, it's, it's the main reason why collaboration is so important between your workers' comp attorneys and your general liability defense attorneys. They need to be talking to each other and getting an update in each other's cases in order to um, you know, dispel some of the, these actions that the, the claimant is trying to um, get into their general liability uh, claims. Um, we are seeing more fraudulent claims. You know, We're doing the investigation, we're talking to witnesses, and we're just seeing more claims um, witness claims or where the claimant is claiming that it happened well two weeks ago when the job site was in a completely different condition um, you know they're really talking to each other they're talking to their unions they're talking to their attorneys their friends who have claims and they're coming up with all sorts of creative ideas to file workers compensation claims uh, in order to combat these, uh, I think the investigation that I always talk about, the initial investigation, as soon as we get word that an allegation is being made of a, a, a worksite accident, I think you need to get your investigators out there and you need to put together a strong investigative report. Um, so after we've been able to gather up enough information and raise fraud, We've been seeing claimants counsel and their uh, GL counsel, you know, reaching out, asking, begging us to put off uh, fraud litigation. And th they, they usually say, well, we're, we're trying to settle this. So we don't want to litigate right now. Can we just like put it off? Can we ask the judge for an adjournment? And my response is no. We're going to pursue the fraud claim. If we lose before the law judge, we're going to file an appeal because the board panel is going to look at our evidence a little more keenly and see that the claimants are fraud. So it, it, it happens, I feel like once a month, we're seeing a situation where there's a fraud case and they're reaching out to us saying, oh, we're trying to settle. And then we talk to our adjusters and they're like, no, we're not trying to settle. No one's reached out to us about settlement. That's a lie. Um, the next thing is uh, traumatic brain injury and psych claims continue to rise. Last year, when I talked about traumatic brain injury, I mentioned how um, they're like a new spinal fusion in New York. You know, a claimant uh, falls and injures his knee with no impact to the head, and all of a sudden, three months later, he has traumatic brain injury. Um, psych claims, you know, it, it's bizarre, but we've seen psych claims arise from a simple hand injury or a foot injury. Um, it, 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 it's just, um, 
insane how they're working up these claims and using the site claims as a reason for not being able to go back to work because they're claiming that they're not mentally fit. Even though their hand has been resolved, they're not mentally fit to go back to work. Um, another trend that we continue to see, global settlements continue to win the day. We are pushing global settlements with our clients where it makes sense, of course. Um, this is where you're closing out both the workers' comp and the general liability claims at the same time. Generally involves a lien waiver or partial lien waiver to close it out. And it certainly saves a lot of money um, on the workers' comp side. And then overall also, because you're using it as leverage in the negotiations. So these are the trends we've been seeing for the past several years. We continue to see them. Um, we're keeping our eyes out for uh, any new trends. And uh, of course, we're going to come up with ways to try to combat them. So as I see them in the upcoming months or you know, anytime in the future, I'll be sure to incorporate them in my webinar and share anything that's interesting with you. All right. So how can we prevent the exploitation, I'm sorry, exploitation of New York labor laws? Uh, well, collaboration, 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 collaboration. That's the key. Your workers' comp adjuster needs to be talking to your GL your workers' comp defense attorney needs to be talking to your GL defense attorney. Pick up the phone, call each other, talk about the milestones, ask questions, ask what's the next step. Tell them what's going on with the workers' comp claim. You know, did you did was a surgery just authorized or denied? Was there a fraud finding? Did you lose the fraud trial? Um, was a denied claim established? This is all information that would be helpful to your GL component because. They're also gathering information that they need um, to defend their claim, right? To contest all of the body parts the claimant is contesting on their end. If your claimant has returned to work, that's important for your general liability defense attorney to know because it goes uh, towards uh, lost wages and the calculation of um, uh, future lost wages. And to work then is the lost wages. Uh, conduct investigation immediately. I talked about this a few minutes ago. I cannot stress enough. Uh, getting an investigator, I know it can cost a pretty penny, but if it's really worth it in the end. Um, one of the things that we do is we give the investigator uh, pointers when they have to go out what to look for, the questions to ask, the people that they're looking for, the information we need. So your attorney should definitely be talking to the investigators also. Using collateral estoppel, I think this is extremely important. I've seen many cases in which collateral estoppel was used. Um, for example, if a body part was disallowed in your workers' comp claim, let's say the claimant just came in the neck and after litigation, it was disallowed and it was affirmed on appeal. This is big for your uh, general liability claim because now, the, the claimant doesn't have a basis for claiming a neck um, injury, which could potentially value millions of dollars on the general liability side. Using the fraud findings, as I noticed, go for it. Raise fraud. Anytime there's a material misrepresentation, raise fraud, present your evidence, let the judge make a decision, file an appeal if you have to. Um, and try to cut off the claimant's benefits. And you'll see, once you cut off the claimant's benefits, they stop treating, obviously, because they were treating only to 
get their benefits going every 90 days. Um, and then all of a sudden you'll see also that the general liability attorneys are making demands because they know that their case has been shot. All right, so I think uh, at, the, at the end of the day, um, it's, it's, it's a reality that the system's very, and very, very favorable to the claimants uh, or they're called the plaintiffs on the general liability side. But if we take the initiatives to start the investigation early and um, engage in joint collaboration with uh, your workers' comp and your general liability defense counsel, I think it will make a very big difference in terms of how the cases end. Um, and I've definitely seen millions and millions of dollars in um, uh, be, being shaved off of claimants' initial demand for settlement. And it's only because they never had a strong claim and because of the collaboration between the two sides, we were able to shed light on all the deficiencies in the claim, which led to more reasonable settlement, which at the end of the day is our goal. All right. So I hope this was helpful. Um, I'm trying not to go into too much detail and bore you with the laws and how these things work. But if you have any questions, uh, please feel free to send them to me, give me a call, send me an email. Um, I'd be happy to chat with you. Uh, thank you for joining me this month, uh, next month, March 7th. So we're always doing these webinars on uh, the first Monday of the month. Next month, we're gonna talk about an overview of New York workers' compensation law. Um, and I'll focus on you know, the milestones again and why it's important that we keep track of the milestones and communicate them with uh, your general liability counsel. All right, everyone, thank you for joining me. Have a wonderful February, stay warm. Hopefully spring's gonna be here by the time um, next month's webinar. Uh, take care, everyone.